Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Hey, everybody. Uh, if you haven't heard us talk about Go Wild, uh, you probably haven't been a listener for very long, but uh, where you're living under a rock. They are a social media platform for hunters by hunters, and they were built to combat mainstream social media censorship. So if you're posting on Instagram and Facebook and you're getting your wrist slapped for posting grip and grins and things of that nature, head on over to time to go wild.com to check out their platform. It's a free social community. Uh, your photos obviously aren't censored, like I mentioned, but they're encouraged. And you're going to get points for posting those types of things, whether it's uh, the big lunker bass that you caught or that grip and grin that you're posting or that turkey you just, uh, you know, just bagged. You earn those points. And as you earn those points, you're going to unlock some pretty great rewards, things like gift cards and free swag and knives and some big discounts on some nice, uh, great brands like Garmin and Vortex and plenty more. So head on over to uh, downloadgowild.com to get started. This is the OKS Hunter podcast. Never pass on shooter bucks, if that's just me in the freezer. It's your tag, you hunt how you want. This is OKS Hunter. What is going on, everybody? We are live. The OKS Hunter Podcast from the OKS Hunter Podcast Studio, brought to you by Spartan Forge. Head on over to spartanforge.ai. And you can use code OHP for 25% off. They just launched their latest update. Yes. Uh, today, just hit the App Store. So they are uh, four, three, four, Greg? Sorry. I don't know. I think you're number three, right? I think you're two. I just made you press a button just to press a button. No one's number four. There's no seat. <laughs> Who does number four work for? <laughs> anyway, yeah, their their latest update just hit the App Store. So now I, Lambda Map is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And there's a, so there's satellite imagery, but now he also has in certain regions, it's limited a little bit, but there's aerial. It'll grow. It'll get better. Yeah. But aerial map, I don't want to say footage. It's not, it's not footage, but like aer- aerial map. <laughs> data <laughs> what's the word i need to use here my gosh it's oh, crystal boy. crystal clear um and then you can like change the opacity of other terrain features to like yeah you can kind of create your own custom setup of like yeah topo on top of aerial and you can mark public or private and i was playing around with it i mean i wasn't because i was at work of course yeah so i mean I you're, you're fine you were working playing hard around with it at all but if i had been you were working on if it. i had been playing around with it, i probably would have tried messing with that a little bit <laughs> It, but I was in there today for sure. Like as soon as I, I was like, "Yeah, let's get this updated." Greg, of course, is having problems. No, it's all good. No. Oh, you got to figure it out. Yeah. Oh well, that's beautiful, buddy. See, let a monkey do a math problem long enough, he'll figure it out. Oh gosh, that's how it works. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything else. That's so I do though. I it's just some housekeeping stuff announcements. So we're live next week with a guest in studio. And then the following week, which I'll say this again next week. So in two weeks from now, we're recording live on Wednesday night Wednesday. in studio right, uh, because of I'll be I'll be gone floating on a big boat somewhere. Cruise boats yeah. and hoes. Boats and hoes. Let's sell that to the kids. See boats, and that, see that boats, that. Yeah, boats and Joes. Boats and Joes. That old guy you just showed me. That's yeah, Joe. Right there. Name is Joe. What other announcements? Uh, Foam Fest is on the horizon. We got to start to do more planning with that. I got a number of brands that are reaching out to me, asking me questions about mm-hmm. it. So I got to actually do something like formal oh, to vector. figure out how to all of yeah everybody do yeah. like everyone, hey what do you need from us what do you need from us you better ask you better get it going now because we got to get product to you uh before like august and it's uh-huh. gonna be june you know in a month so you better get on it clark yeah so that's what i gotta do but yeah people are signing up you can uh, go to okshunter.com and uh, i think we have an events page that you can go do to, to register it's 20 bucks and we're with that with that money we're gonna be able to afford to hey, 20 get, bucks is 20 bucks well yeah but we're we're not making money. We're just going to be able to get a food truck there and beer. So and it's going to be fun. Yeah. 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 But the beer will be easy because it's, it's at a brewery for those that don't and know. And they'll have food trucks there because it's a brewery venue that has food trucks that come in regularly. Yeah. 
So, what we got? Are they gonna have stuff. any of this Don Julio tequila there? Oh yeah, so it's Cinco de Mayo. I know we're like Cinco de Drinko. a bunch of white dudes here, but you know, uh, celebrating some some Mexican heritage. This Don Julio seventy is really delicious. No, Greg doesn't think so. No, I don't mind. But Derek and I are real men. <laughs> no, if you were real men, you'd be drinking something else. All right, let's get our guest on with us. Uh, we have Ryan Kleckner out of Arizona with Gun University. Ryan, thanks for joining us on the show. How are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. You bet. That was really well timed. The music just stopped. That was just a natural <laughs> progression. That was probably the smoothest intro we've done in a while. It's that tequila. It's that You're tequila. welcome. <laughs> and Ryan's got a great Ryan voice for radio, so yeah, here we go. <laughs> yeah, you got a good setup over there, like... Most of our guests don't have a mic in their face, nice headphones. They're usually like on their phone and it's dropping around a bunch of times and doing weird stuff. So, oh, these aren't plugged in, they're just props. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff for the the gram. Yeah, this is made out of of styrofoam. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) just like Greg's turkey decoy. What are those things made out of? Special top secret material. Okay, the one I got is ugly, cheap plastic, ugly. My my works. As long as it works, I've killed more stuff over the ugly ones than I have nice ones. I think that's what it is. What I got is ugly. Yep. Whoa. Back feet. Sorry. Now I had to get the mute button quick. I did as fast as I could. So, Ryan, tell us a little bit about yourself in Gun University and uh, best-selling author, and you've traveled the country. You're a firearm guy, uh, but I'll let you – like, don't let me introduce you. I'll do it bad. (laughs) Like, it's just not going to go well on the OK Center podcast. All right. Um. I'll, I'll try and give the condensed version. It's exhausting just explaining what I do, let alone doing it. I actually <laughs> prefer bow hunting, but I hunt rifle mostly because I'm in the firearms industry. So I'm testing a new rifle or I'm working with a company or doing something like that. So I end up with a rifle in my hands very often. Um, yeah, born and raised in Arizona. So I grew up hunting in northern Arizona. Elk hunting to me is the only type of hunting. Everything else I do is just because it's not elk season. Um Traveled around the country quite a bit. Ended up working for the National Shooting Sports Foundation, the the trade association for the firearms industry. I'm an attorney that specializes in you know firearms laws. I then went from there to Remington and ended up being a vice president at Remington Outdoor Company and just stressed myself out for years and traveled all over the country and, and did that corporate stuff. And then left there and went out on my own and decided to write a book because I thought you know, before I die, I want to write a book. Even if my only my mom and my best friend buy a copy, I want to say I wrote one. They bought and... the first copies, I bet. <laughs> uh, no, the first copy is actually a guy that was part of the dedication of the book. It worked out just so fortuitously. It was amazing. A uh, guy for, I was in first range, I was a sniper in first ranger battalion and a couple deployments to Afghanistan and the Air Force ETAC, Kevin Vance, that was attached to us, that was part of a pretty famous battle at Roberts Ridge there. Those guys are referenced in the beginning of the book. And it, it just happened to be, I looked at the customer list and the first guy to buy a copy was Kevin Vance. He's just an amazing hero from that. Wow. It was really neat. Wow. Cool. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Real, really cool stuff, right? He's, he, I mean, absolutely saved the day without a doubt uh, back then is, is, is a great man. Um, so I, I wrote the book and no publishers wanted it. So I went out and published it on my own and it's taken off and it's been what, six years now. And I've been so fortunate that it's still a number one bestseller in its category on Amazon this many years later. You guys have just been great for picking up the copy and realizing that I try to break down seemingly complex things into easy to understand terms. And sometimes that's because I fudge it a bit. I say, yeah, the spin of the earth matters when you're shooting long range. It really does. But we're not going to talk about that right now because you still jerk the trigger. So let's work (laughs) on you not jerking the trigger. Right. Worry about the spin of the spin of the earth stuff later. You can run. You gotta you gotta have some building blocks, right? Some yeah. So all the all the fundamentals. And I went from that to I I run online courses for how to get your FFL at home at Rocket FFL, and I just started Gun University recently, which I did that because so many people ask me this question, which I'm sure you guys hear all the time, which is what gun should I get? <laughs> My answer is I don't know. What car should I get? Right. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> right. Well, you know, a Remington 870 is an iconic shotgun. It's been around forever, right? The Wingmaster is the first shotgun I ever picked up and shot mm-hmm. and killed a bunch of stuff with it. And to me, it, it feels natural. I hand that gun to Eric, who has never touched an 870 Wingmaster or an 870, period. And he'll go, I don't like the way this feels. It just feels weird. It feels off. But maybe we hand him uh, an old, you know, Winchester Model 12 or something newer. Right. And it fits perfect. That's the gun for him or 
for sure. Whatever. I'm also big on the purpose because if he's looking for a concealed carry recommendation, we just gave him an 870 Wingmaster. That's horrible. Yeah. Concealed carry. You know, as an example, like, what, what, what do you want the gun for? Unless you wear very, you know, baggy coats. pants or a trench coat and you like to yeah. cut them. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm like, well, I, I realize that when you go look online for a recommendation for a gun, every website says every gun is the best. Yep. Every yep. gun magazine says the, whatever the newest gun is the best gun ever. And I got tired of that. And I'm, I'm comfortable where I'm at in the industry and what I do with my businesses. And so we decided to start gun university and take no advertisers. So we say some guns are bad. We say some guns are good and we just try to tell it like it is and let readers make their own comments on it, kind of rotten tomato style. And we hope it helps people mm -hmm. because it's fun it's to do that way. Yeah. That, it makes sense when you say we don't take sponsors because then you're not like affiliated with having to, you're agnostic. You can say whatever the hell you want. It doesn't matter. You're not going to piss someone off. I mean, you might, but it's not your problem. Oh, I'm going to piss them off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that, do you remember, do you remember that, uh, I'm going to age myself here maybe, but that's okay. I think Greg's older than all of us, but he might not know this. There's like a certain pocket of people that remember the, the famous YouTuber FPS Russia. Oh, for sure. What happened to that guy? He fell off the face of the earth. He had every freaking, he had a tank at one point. Like, well, what? his partner was killed potentially suicide potentially murder investigation and he was raided by the atf and it, it was bad oh my god <laughs> yeah i missed that show <laughs> i never seen he was that. funny yeah he was hilarious the accent he was, he was not he did not have an like it was not an authentic accent he was like no texas. he was exactly he was from texas it was great yeah. Yeah. In Russia. yeah 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 he faced himself yeah. in the face that one time he was like that was a bad idea. <laughs> Don't be a bitch. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. yeah. Some people so are that, others that, that, no that's, that's that was funny. videos from him all the time. Yeah, yeah and he did that epic mealtime one where they're like eating uh, bacon off of pistols. I'm like, these guys are, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, I know it's turkey season. Last week we did a show and everyone in the comments were talking about turkeys amongst themselves. So, We'd be remiss if we didn't at least stop at that station for a second to talk about turkeys. I think, Greg, you're turkey hunting tomorrow morning. Yep. Yep. I'm going to go at the end of May. Uh, Ryan, I think you said you're going tomorrow. Oh, this weekend. Yep. Okay. So, I, I guess, yeah. Sorry. By I've never done it ever. I've never done it. And I'm going for the first time ever. And my dad has an old, old old shock and i texted you the the specs of it like and i'm like you're not using that <laughs> <laughs> it's, but, but it, Here, you know, you're gonna take old trusty and you're gonna use old trusty yeah. with the it's all dialed and ready to go i feel like do you have this choke do you have that i don't i don't know it i don't know the you don't, literal first you don't thing. know like i was at fleet farm the other day i was like maybe i should just buy one for 400 bucks and call it a day like i don't know what to do here does it matter that right. much is it not you know at 10 yards if i see a big old turkey i'll just 10 yards it might not matter i mean you could shoot them with I'll maybe I'll bring my bow. Yeah, right. You can shoot with your bow if you wanted to. Um, no, it, I, I've got everything dialed. You could hit a bird out to forty yards because at the end of the season, birds are pretty wary. Um, they may not come into decoys because they've seen all the neighbors with decoys and they know they know something's up. That bird, that decoy's not moving. You might have to shoot them at further ranges. So that's where a, a gun with a tighter choke is going to be better. Is if you hit them out at long range with, say, an improved cylinder choke, your shot string is probably three, four foot wide, mm -hmm. and you get a lot of stray flyers that aren't hitting the target. And also, if you want to eat the meat, you want less shot in it. <laughs> so that's broken that's, teeth aren't yeah. fun. Yeah, broken teeth aren't fun either. See, I do the opposite of Greg. Instead of worrying about touch, reaching out and touching them later in the season in public land, you just put your decoys at 100 yards. Okay. And they skirt them, and then they come right and do they get, well, See, that's pretty smart. <laughs> pretty smart. <laughs> I mean, what do you – you're the – I mean, you're the expert here, Ryan. What are you What are you using on your shotgun or using a shotgun? What do you recommend for choke, no choke, all of these things? Some of this terminology, I don't even understand what I'm saying. <laughs> so I'm, I'm definitely the rifle expert. I'm happy to say that. I'm maybe a firearms – generally subject matter person you should listen to and shotguns i'm okay i mean i've been turkey hunting multiple times and i've never gotten a turkey my my friends love to point out the fact that i've never been successful when it comes to turkey hunting have this you had opportunities to take them though like because you have to no. see them to shoot them right so like yeah maybe i don't have opportunities one is i take my daughter with me because she's my hunting buddy mm -hmm. and when it comes to turkey hunting she lasts maybe 45 minutes after sunup and i would way rather have an enjoyable time with her and a memory with her than necessarily be successful with the turkey 
on the way back. So we don't last very long. I'm we're eight or nine or 10 year old, depending on the year, having fun together this weekend. We're taking a lot more seriously. She shoots with a 410, and I think awesome. that the new heavyweight TSS stuff out of a 410 is actually not at 100 yards, but at reasonable turkey shooting distances, they make the 410 now a viable turkey gun, in my opinion. Absolutely. A lot of people are using that this season. I've seen a lot of a lot of weight kind of coming behind the 410. People are doing getting some good kills with it this season. Yep. Well, it's nice. Yeah, to be I mean, whatever patterns in your gun, shoot it. I mean, I, I think... Yep. I think the worst shotgun loads out there, in my opinion, are something like this is not necessarily for turkey, but for a 12 gauge, like the three and a half inch magnums, I think are horrible. I think you should throw them in the trash. That's my opinion. I don't think they perform any better than the three inch shells. No, in fact, they you get more you get more pellets in them, but it, you might as well shoot a 10 gauge. And if you like to beat the hell out of your shoulder, go ahead and shoot that thing. Well, they just pattern horribly. They don't really work that well. Right. And so a three inch outperforms the three and a half. And when you're talking even 20 gauges. I think the three inches are horrible too. I think they overdo it. Um, so I'm shooting two and three quarter or three inch out of a 12 gauge. I shoot a tighter choke. I don't get, I don't sweat it about the choke. Some guns, some barrels, some chokes, just like certain brands of ammo. So I say, take it out to the range, find what pattern's good for your gun and stop stressing out about it. Yep. If, you, if you're back home with paper and pencil and the slide rule, trying to figure out what you need to do, I think you're not enjoying the hunting anymore. If, if right. it patterns well, you know where it aims, you know where it hits go out and have fun exactly yeah having fun is key and you bring your daughter is a good thing yeah yeah and even if you only make it the first 45 minutes like hopefully around here you know and i'm assuming arizona is the same and when they're up in the roost in the morning you might guys must hear some gobbles here and there and like that's got to be exciting for her yeah oh for sure she's had a answer back to her and she thinks awesome. it's awesome yeah that's the best part bringing the kids you know you, you hear them you interact with them a little bit whether you get one or not who, who really cares Right. Here, we're, we're going to northern New Mexico this weekend, and I think the shots are be quite a bit further. So I'm going to try and talk her into a 20 gauge just to reach out a little bit further than her 410 is going to go do. But I, I'm I'm more worried about finding the turkey, getting the turkey in, getting a decent <laughs> shot than I really am sweating exactly where the pellets are going to be, honestly. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's all the hard stuff, I think, right? Mm-hmm. In the day. Like that's going to be the, the challenging thing to deal with. I'll have to remember to make sure my safety's off. <laughs> like, you know, click. Damn it. <laughs> you know, okay, this moment right there for sure. Um, so rifle expert, not shotgun expert, but I think we're all excited about turkey hunting. I bought every call I think I could get. I've been driving my family crazy. I got a gobbler call. I got a crow call. I got a, an owl call. I got. You were hooting last week. I got diaphragm calls, pot calls. Every. I've just been having a hoot. I called in like 12 crows the other day and I was really proud of myself because they were like calling back. My wife's like, what do you think they're saying? I don't know. They're here. It's, how cool is that? You know, when you did um, your uh, diaphragm call last week, it was, it was sounding pretty decent. Yeah. And I was on the spot. I wasn't like, Hey, you were doing pretty good. I don't know. About you that. almost choked on it. I gagged a little bit. Well, the first minute or two, you were just warming up. Yeah. Um, but you're, you said like you're an elk guy, but here, here in Wisconsin, you know, in the Midwest where I think a lot of our listeners are coming from, we have them from all over, but, um, you know, I don't think I've ever taken a shot with my Remington 700 bolt action more than 90 yards where mm-hmm. I hunt. It's, it's hardwoods. It's thicker stuff in some cases, although it's bluff country uh, in the western part of the state where we go. Greg's been there. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You can get some long range shots, but um, it's just not comedy shooting that far. And I got it scoped with uh, a Nikon Monarch, which, again, I'm not uh, an expert here, but I bought that thinking that if I were to go out west, that should do the job for me um, with that setup. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I think a lot of whitetail hunters are aspiring elk hunters and that's, you know, whitetail are the gateway to these other, you know, bigger Western type hunts. Yeah. I mean, you're shooting a 30 caliber and that's what's nice about 30 cal in particular, the odd six. I mean, they make so many different rounds for it, but that 30 caliber, the 308 bullet will work, you know, 120 120 grain bullet all the way up to 220 and there might be some heavier ones out there but there's a lot of adjustability in a 30 caliber rifle from not, 308 not, to 30 out six to 300 wind mag well i don't even know that, like ryan break this down so i try to represent the idiot in the room and, and the lay folks and the people that are like the average joe you're doing a good pop. job <laughs> yeah, that's great and and we have this this curve of you know we have uh you know that's why there's three of us here we're a good tripod but i don't even i actually don't even understand the caliber 
I don't, Greg, you just said these different things. I don't even know what that means. Like when I go to the store and I look at like shelves and shelves and shelves of bullets, like why am I getting a heavier grain versus a lighter grain? Like why am I getting this brand versus that brand? Why am I getting silver versus whatever? Like there's all these different, you know, points and tips and. Mm -hmm. Right. What, what do I need personally, to be, like, I personally never heard it explained the 30 caliber and the, like the whole family. I've never heard that explained ever. It was the first time. Really? Well, 30 out six is one of the most flexible calibers yep. there is because you can off the shelf you can buy 165 grain up to 220 grain commonly available and uh, do you guys reload at all do you guys hand load no. Nope. no i've got some of the equipment and for my my gun i really should because i can't find ammo for it at all right now oh, if you guys especially in the third house so hornady 4895 that's one of the fundamental powders i think it was the first actually reloading powder that was ever sold is 4895 by hornady What's cool about that powder is you can safely make reduced power loads and Hornady publishes the data for it. So in 30 cals especially, you can take a 30-06 and make it a powder puff that barely kicks at all. I mean, it, it, you, can, you can load it up so it's effectively a 9mm. Really? For kids. Yes, yeah, so you can just plink. So you want to go shoot coyotes with it? You can make it so soft. You can make it something like 45 or 50% of the power of a normal 30-06 safely. So those sure. can be your coyote loads and you can be plinking with the, it's not, it has to be a 30 out six quote power all the time. And then you can have a 220 grain bullet. So the difference between bullets and bullets designs and all this kind of stuff has a lot to do with marketing. There's no new cartridge that really does what any other cartridge hasn't done before it realistically. So you could, if you took a chart and graphed out all the trajectory of bullets for rifle cartridges or graphed out the energy of different bullets they're all going to fall into about four or five different bands you know a 308 does at 100 yards for energy wise what a 30 out six does at 200 yards and what a 300 wind mag does at 300 yards that's the difference so when you want to know why you do a 30 out six versus 308 because it gets you the same energy at 100 yards further same thing for 300 wind mag but they're all the same dang bullet they're mm -hmm. just flying at different speeds yeah. when it comes to bullet design i think all this retained weight um, is a myth is too strong of a word, uh, but a, a false idol. I'm, I'm the, I'm the anti-retained weight bullet guy. I like most of the time when I'm hunting, I like bullets that go into the kill zone and explode for lack of a better word. Um, I, I, I think it's funny when guys will tell me with a picture of a bloody bullet in their hand and an animal at their feet, how their bullet failed. What, what the bullet, if the bullet <laughs> failed. Uh, <laughs> how do you have it? How do you have it in your hand? It did right? what it was supposed to do. Yeah. So for me, for elk hunting wise, and I, I end up, I, I'm fortunate enough to get, be around either getting myself an elk once a year or getting, being around other people. So I'm seeing one or two elk a year shot and the best performance I see are the bullets that go in and pick apart. Now that means I'm not going to take a 200 yard quartering away from me shot across the Canyon with the bullet I'm bringing. Cause I know the bullet I'm bringing is going to go in about a foot or foot and a half and break apart. In that case, you would need a super bonded bullet to penetrate through everything. But I think that just came out in the sixties, all those Weatherby cartridges and velocity started getting so high. We needed bullets to stick together. So the industry got smart with marketing and made them made that part of the term. But anyway, um, the last five elk I've shot have been with a soft point, you know, lead exposed soft point bullet in six, five grade more. I don't recommend that. I'm not saying that's what everyone should be using, sure. but I carry a tiny little rifle. I think it's a full six pounds with the scope nice. through the woods. And it's in six, five Creedmoor and soft point bullets. And it kills them deader. And you know what? They don't travel far at all. They die right away. One shot. That's the heck. That's the rifle I took to Africa and shot everything there with it. Same thing, but I'm able to put the bullet in the heart when I want to. Mm -hmm. If you need more of a margin for error you need to get bigger and bigger calibers as you go more and more error you might you know be having there to try and put something down because i think the number one thing we need to do as hunting is an ethical clean kill on an animal whenever we can let's so talk, if you, let's talk about this margin of error real quick for yeah the, mm -hmm. you know the the basic guys what what rifle is most recommended to give you that grace um, if you're not practicing all, all the time or you're super comfortable or confident, but you're, and I, I think you mentioned too, like offline, you know, we could talk about how you should be practicing with your weapons also. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's a good segue. And I'll let you finish up what you're going to say too. I didn't want to totally mm -hmm. interrupt, but I want to make sure no, I get that. Fine. 
Yeah, so like my my daughter last year got her second elk and she shot a cow elk at about 70 yards and one shot with her 6.5 Creedmoor, it stutter stepped for about 10 inches and fell over dead. We got back to elk camp and she was talking so much smack I had to pull her aside and tell her to <laughs> knock it off a little bit because another guy in the camp, uh, I think it was a 300 wind mag, shot six times to bring his elk down. That's so it's shot placement matters. You know, you, you hit an elk in the tip of his antler with a 50 BMG. He's probably not going to die. You hit him in the heart with a two, two, three, he's going to die. Mm-hmm. So shot placement it, to me is way more important than caliber, way more important than anything else. I, I, I just wanted to, shooting. Sorry, Ryan. I just wanted to touch yeah, on what you're talking about the, the soft point bullets and whatnot and leaving the energy mm-hmm. in the animal. Uh, just from my experience, I shoot a pretty soft point. Um, on my mm-hmm. 30 out six and the last three deer I've shot bucks, I found that bullet fragments of it in the off side of the animal mm-hmm. right below the hide, you know? So all the, that yeah. never exited people say, you know, oh, you don't get a blood trail, but the deer never go further than 30 yards. All that energy is yeah. like you're saying, you know, it's completely destroying the, in, the vitals where you're hitting them. And I'm just thinking back to when we went to Montana, my parents and I did a mule deer elk hunt quite a few years ago. And my dad was, you know, researching and bought a seven millimeter mag and bought these super bonded bullets, you know, for elk. Yeah. And we ended up stocking up on a mule deer buck and he shot it with those, those tips and that deer never flinched. He shot it, you know, it, oh, you missed. He ran up on the hill, boom, shot again. I'm holding right on. Deer didn't even flinch. Goes mm-hmm. over the hill. My dad ended up shooting three times. We didn't think he got it. It went over a ridge. So we hiked down there, go look. No blood, a little bit of hair. We're like, oh, he must have hit it. Come over the ridge. Buck went about 90 yards over the ridge, laying there dead. We could not find a hole <laughs> till we till we took the hide off because those bullets never expanded at all. You know, they're they're for mm-hmm. elk. And they went right through. The deer didn't really even act like it was hit. He shot it pretty well, but it was just such a difference in like just the bullet and how that deer every ounce of energy from the bullet is expanded into that deer and it's devastating versus that bullet passing through without expanding much at all. And that thing had no clue it had even been hit. That's a great anecdote to, to say it is you need to match the bullet, and the cartridge to the animal. Yep. Mm-hmm. He'd have been so, fine uh, for elk. Yeah. It probably would have been good. Yeah. 300 H and H for squirrel is not going to be good. And twenty-two <laughs> long rifle for elk is not going to be good. You, nope. you need to find something that's appropriate and the style of hunting you're going to be doing. So um, I have access. I'm spoiled. I have access to the best rifles and the best ammo and the best everything out there. And I shoot the cheapest available kills more things than I, I've ever seen ammo. I shoot the um, S and B cellular and bellow. You guys ever seen that brand? No, Mm-mm. never. If For six, five Creedmoor, I think I get it for six bucks a box. Retail. Wow. Soft point, 140 grain, 65 creed more kills everything for me. Now that's just for me. That's the style of shooting I do. I like the the anti hold together bolt like you were just saying and passing through. I like it to go in and it grenades. It blows hearts and lungs into shreds and the animal's yep. dead right there. But the other school of thought is I've only got one hole for blood trails. If I had to choose, I'd rather not have a blood trail. I'd rather trip over the animal. Exactly. You know, laying there on the ground. But Again, I got to hit it where I need to. Now that margin of error, if I make a, a bad shot and I shoot it in the butt, I'm just wounding that poor animal and mm-hmm. it's going to run and run and run. And I'm not going to have a good blood trail. I'm not going to see things. So there is no magic caliber. And I think um, you're getting bad information if someone ever tells you that. Like you have to have this caliber for elk, for example, because most people I know tell me that 6.5 Creedmoor is too small. What is, my, my the, what is with the there? There's you know there's some like there's a lot of articles about it too. Oh no, I'm going a different mm-hmm. direction here. I'm thinking right. there's like these shit talking pages that exist on social, and I don't know enough about this stuff to understand why people talk crap about the six five Creedmoor. I don't understand. It's a popular topic. <laughs> I don't. I just don't the round is popular. It's kind of like the new generation of of shooters now use six five Creedmoor. It's kind of the bougie round. You know, yeah, here's my theory: if an arrow can kill it. So can just about any center right. fire rifle. Right. Thank you. Yeah. That's not the most logical point. Yep. Like get off your high horse, people. Yeah. It'll work. So I took a while to warm up to six five Creedmoor. Um, I'm very slow to adopt new cartridges because of what I said earlier. Every new cartridge that comes out is just about the same as something that existed already. So they're not oh, yeah. reinventing anything new. Six five Creedmoor is the same as two sixty Remington, is the same as six five Lapua, 
if you you know if you take those three cartridges and put them on a graph, Winchester Magnum. Yeah, you couldn't tell bullet. me which one was which. Well, it's same speed, same bullet. The 260 Remington and the 65 Creedmoor are same overall length, same everything. And if I would have jumped on that bandwagon, I'd have a bunch of rifles that are 260 Remington, which is kind of obsolete now. So I mm-hmm. love to wait it out and see, you know, is it going to be VHS or Betamax? Which one's going to win? And <laughs> 65 Creedmoor finally really took off it took a while to take off too but once it took off and i could go into an average big box store and see more skews of 65 creedmoor on the shelf than 308 then and only then did i decide finally to jump on the 65 creedmoor bandwagon and now that i'm on it i get rid of all my 308s i have multiple rifles in 65 creedmoor Uh, it's a great long-range shooting cartridge for me for targets it is the bare minimum i should be shooting on an elk that's why i say i don't recommend it it's what I use and I like. I wouldn't ex- expect someone new to do it, but I also don't want you to overgun it. I'd also don't want you to go out there with that 300 rum and flinch like crazy because you're scared of your gun yep. mm-hmm. or not practice with it because that's what matters. So if you can take a hand-me-down 308 and you can actually get to the range and practice and get familiar with that gun, you're going to be a much more successful elk hunter than whatever magic <laughs> cartridge you can find is, you know? We have a, a couple of comments I'll just mention here that are coming in and we'll open up the phone lines in a little bit here and see if anyone wants to actually like call. We'll, we'll see what that looks like, but um, free rent, free rent or free to prowl. Who's going to be here next week. He said, most outdoor media is way too driven by sponsors. So happy to hear that you're getting away from that. But Linus Ridge looks like he's from England, which is a first. So I don't know if that's coming. From, I'm assuming that's coming from your audience, but he's saying, are you able to discuss windage versus old school table effects? That's way over my head. If he lets me know what he means by old school table effects, I'm happy to discuss it. Yeah, go for it for a minute here. If he's still in, I imagine. Linus, yeah, tell us what you mean. If you're talking about like the old school wind charts or wind tables, I don't know what you mean versus windage because those are for windage. So I'm a little confused by your question, but I'm definitely happy to discuss it for you. Yeah, and uh, Drew, thanks for the tea. Rocking that tonight, had a representing. Uh, Mr. Vanderloop, yes, of course, two mirrors when I hunt. One, so I can look at myself and my handsomeness, and then one, so I can get a view of what's behind me. I felt so, like this is some sort of... So Kyle, Kyle's my cousin, and we have a great running inside joke that's got to be going on for nearly a dozen years nice. about uh, the, the handsome cousins of the family. Okay. So Kyle I got a, I got a buddy. We got uh, we play this game of, he's going bald, but he's like, he's in denial, and I'm not. I've like, you know, embraced the baldness. I've shaved my head, you know? Yep. And uh, we do this game where it, we use degrees of separation for someone to tell the other person that they're bald. <laughs> the further degree of separation plus the element of surprise gets points. Awesome. I have no idea what the points are other than I know I'm winning because like <laughs> like people walk into his place of business and they're like, hey, uh, Eric says you're bald. And he's like, what? <laughs> That's the best. Inside jokes like that are, are a lot of fun. So yeah. if anybody here, uh, I'm not going to say his full name on the podcast, but. I know some of you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> so Go let it rip bald. Oh, and Kyle, congratulations on the turkey. Uh, he just got a turkey this past week, maybe two or three days ago. Congrats. Congrats. Well done. Yeah, I'm excited to try it. Well, this we'll is a fun topic. You know, I, I this is one where I'm going to have to, like, play back and listen. And, you know, our elk trip of 2021 20, was a flop because of a newborn. And then we just didn't do anything about it this year. I think we got hot and heavy with the uh, – um, pulling feathers for half a minute with Levi. We're talking about Wyoming, but mm-hmm. I know we kind of fizzled out on some stuff or whatever. And maybe next year is the year. So at that point, it's got to happen sooner than later because you know we're aging up and the, the clock is kind of ticking. I like to do it while I'm still in some sort of physical. The physique. legs are aging. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that being said, th- this is the kind of stuff I'll go back and listen to and try to figure out. And even what you're talking about the the, the, the round exploding in the animal, I never would have considered that. But I don't even know if that's something that I need to consider for myself or not based on the weapon that i have because i'm not, probably not going to go buy a new gun for this you know i'm not going to go buy a new you don't need for to. This. Well, what do you have now what are you going to use now the 30-06 uh, yeah, so yeah great awesome I, I see i don't get wrapped around the axle when it comes to equipment and gear or even camo i don't get all fancy with my camo i am kind of the anti-camo guy if i can help it if i'm not wearing a specific camo because someone wants a picture for something i just hunt in earth tone colored clothes and be smart about stalking you know, I think more elk have been killed in this country with red flannel shirts and 30 out six than any other combination. So that's the picture go have fun. I, my grip and grin. Like <laughs> I want to look as deer camp as possible, <laughs> you know, and, and even the picture I have with the buck that's on the wall back here, that was in a flannel, you know, and 
I was pretty proud of that. Heck yeah. You know, it was like three o'clock in the afternoon. My buddy's like, hey, the wind's doing this. This is a spot. I've never hunted before in my life. I was like, hey, honey, I'm going hunting. She's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to go and just see how it goes real quick. And I didn't have any time to grab anything. I was like, I got this flannel. Let's go. And, you know, I'm sweating. It's hot. It's election day, like two years ago, whatever it was. It's a great day. Yeah, and, uh, for hunting. yeah yeah i put one down so anyway like it didn't it didn't matter it didn't matter because i played the wind right you know the, the deer never saw me to begin with so it wouldn't have freaking mattered i could have well, maybe what if i was wearing like a blue jean jacket but mm-hmm. anyway. uh, no it's totally different because i'm like totally 100 percent camo proponent just because most of the time tree stand hunting the spots that i'm trying to get into like this year i hunted out of like six dead ash trees that were like six inch diameter or smaller sure. that had no leaves because it's where I needed to be. So like I'm wearing winter camo, right? Cause it like totally breaks up your outline, but that's just cause I'm hunting really stupid spots. Right. <laughs> if you... I was elk hunting out West and sitting on a grassy hillside, you bet your ass I'd be wearing beige or tan and not caring. You bet. But when I'm up in that little tree. Well, this uh, is and I'm not camo. talking turkey hunting either, right? Turkey hunting, right. you need camo, but yeah, you get the best camo out there and you're upwind doing jumping jacks. You're not going to be successful. Right. right? Exactly. You wear earth tones and you're downwind and you're holding still. You don't even need to be behind a tree. You could sit in the field and hold still and animals will come up and try to sniff you if you haven't moved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of tree stands, back in the day, I, like I always hunted out of a janky tree stand with these single steps that were like rope on rope tie on things. And it was a shotgun for the longest time. I never took a shot from the tree stand because I never had any good opportunities. I was a bit of an idiot back then. It hasn't changed much, but I've really only shot deer with my rifle from the ground. Um, I've never hunted. I've never actually shot a deer from a tree stand. Are you, have you had much, much experience with that? Like, I don't know. It just feels different than a bow. A bow is, I'm sure it's not that different. Really. Probably pretty easy. You're asking me? I'm just thinking about it. Well, what's difficult about shooting a rifle from a tree stand is if you don't have anything in front of you, it's difficult to rest. Yeah. Where yeah. Are. yeah. You're right? off handing you're on it. the ground. I mean, you're I always find it. a you're tree. Me. You're I always find the... a tree and I just push my hand up against the tree yep. and you have an automatic rest. Yep. But when you're in a tree stand, you either, you know, if you don't have some kind of shooting rail or a tree in front of you, right. you can rest on that's the only tricky part. Pro- prone is the most stable shot you can take, right? For like sure. Full prone. Mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. So then what, so what the lower the... you are to the ground, the rifle is to the ground, the more stable you are. So the higher mm-hmm. away from the ground that rifle gets, the less stable it is. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So always try and get a stable shot as you can get, but that's what you should be practicing. So I see guys getting ready for hunting season. They might go to the local range once, pull out that box of shells that's 10 years old, which you don't need to buy new ammo all the time. That's fine. They have three shells missing from it. They put two shots in there. They shoot, they hit reasonably where they want to. And they say, Oh, I'm good. And then they go hunting. The problem with that is there's no shooting benches in the wild. No. And none. Making sure your gun is zeroed, fine. Use a shooting bench. Once Absolutely. it's zeroed, you need to be practicing in realistic hunting positions. You know, I would way rather, even though I think 200 yards is personally for me too far for shooting for hunting. I don't like shooting that far. Um, heck, we'll just make it 100. Take a paper plate at 100 yards. Do something to elevate your heart rate a little bit. Do some push-ups. Do a couple jumping jacks. Don't get crazy tired, but just a little bit. And grab your rifle and lean up against the, the post for the awning at the shooting range. Or drop down to a knee and use your front elbow on your knee and try and hit the paper plate. If you can hit the paper plate each time, you're going to be excellent at hunting because that's the kill zone of an animal at 100 yards from an unsupported position. You'll be way, way better at shooting, practicing doing that than you will be shooting pretty little groups to make yourself feel better. How many people do you think are going to do that? Do you think there's just Very pride few. or they're going to be feeling embarrassed or weird? <clears throat> Cause I would like to do that. Like when I used to shoot my bow, I would take paper plates and I'd go to this public range with these hay bales and I'd draw on them with markers and mm-hmm. it was fun stuff and make a big thing of it. And it was, I really enjoyed that. But people would be like, how's this guy doing? You, know, so you should that. be doing this at home, by the way, though. You should not be at the range yet. You should be dry practicing. Yeah. I, I strongly believe you should be shooting your rifle empty more than you shoot it with ammo in it. That's what they do in the military. You get like what you're uh, practicing you get almost a whole month of, of grass week before you ever shoot around through that thing. It's all dry fire mm-hmm. to get your positions down, right? Mm-hmm. And everything you do or fail to do with that rifle happens up until the point that gun goes click. So if you're going to mess up the shot, I mean, how about this? Just take pistol, for example. We've all shot pistols before, mm-hmm. I assume. And we've all at least once caught ourselves flinching bad with a pistol. I yep. still do it, right? 
when do you catch yourself flinching with the pistol? Is it when the gun goes bang, or it was when the gun was empty and you didn't realize it's always the gun goes click and it doesn't go bang. The reason that bang hides your flinch. So yep. if you're just going to make a gun go bang all the time, you're never going to catch yourself flinching. You're never going to improve your shooting. So the gun will hit where it's aimed, whether there's a bullet in it or not for your practicing. So if you dry practice and put that paper plate up and turn the scope down, stop having the high magnification of your scope, turn it down to as low power as it can get and practice over and over going click, click, aiming at that paper plate. And this will also teach you to get good at what I, I like to call calling your shots. Knowing exactly where that reticle was when the gun goes click is vitally important. It makes you a better shooter. Knowing it was in the center of the plate when it went click means a hit. Knowing you pulled it two feet to the left means you would have missed two feet to the left. You can get great feedback, great practice, and you will become a significantly better shooter doing that than even doing it at the range. That's great advice. Yep. You could do that in your basement all day long, Greg. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dry practice. Dry practice and call your shots. I even have my students call their shots out loud. Center, left, low, and you get good at learning where your shots are going to be. You know, and another piece of advice, if I can give you here and not try and cram in too many rifle shooting tips is stop trying to be so precise. So I'm like the precision rifle guy and I try to teach people to stop being so precise. So you all, I bet are doing this. You are all aiming at the target and you have this little internal monologue that goes a little bit further left, a little bit more, a little bit more up too high, too high, a little bit down, right about there. And you smash the trigger when you're in the center of the paper plate. Oh, yeah, that's me. That results in poor performance. Same that's thing not good trigger control. It's if the same you, thing with bow. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, so if you, if you decide what the target is, if you decided that the paper plate is an acceptable hit, okay, you, you've now defined the target as anywhere on the paper plate. Why don't you just let the reticle move anywhere within the paper plate? And as the reticle's moving, start applying pressure to the trigger. When the gun goes off, if the reticle is at the very edge of the paper plate, that's still considered a hit. I would take that all day over trying to get the bullet in the dead center and then jerking the round three feet to the right. Okay. So Linus just messaged back in. So we're going to type, put a pause on that conversation and go back to Linus Ridge here. So what he's asking is, uh, He's talking about the difference between full and half value not actually being properly represented at, say, 1330 from 1215. Not sure what that's about. Yeah, and then, me, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of losing me too. Maybe but can, then, you know, maybe you can then, go back in the comments with him later on. Yeah, or might, might be something you want to check yet. Take a look at the comments. But, uh, Derek, your, your mirror buddy said, um, <laughs> if you could only pick three shotgun rifles, three shotgun slash rifles in your gun case. Let's pick that up at the end. Oh, you want to pick that up at the end? You want me to read that question? Yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's say back? for the, yeah, let's, let's let him finish talking about squeezing trigger and, okay. and trigger flinch. Okay. Well, we'll that was back. about it. That was just, that was just about it for my tips is those are kind of my, I, I know I raced through them. Those are where I take parts of a day to talk about to students is what I call acceptable accuracy, which is the last one I talked about, is stop trying to be so precise. Stop trying to get a one-inch group on that elk. Acceptable accuracy means anywhere in the kill zone you're going to be happy. Well, stop trying to be so perfect that you end up jerking the shot and instead just be happy with anywhere in that kill zone. That's acceptable accuracy. And the other is practice in realistic shooting positions. Practice getting comfortable from the kneeling with your support side knee forward, your, your other side, your other knee forward with trees in front of you, without trees in front of you, you get good at that. And if you're able to hit that paper plate every time at a hundred, you're going to be way, way more successful of a hunter and realistic shooter in real life than the person that can shoot the prettiest little groups off of a bench rest. Yeah. You're not shooting dimes at on elk. And, you're, you're shooting basketballs. So you don't and, have to be so critical, man. I tell you what, Ryan, it just, like, so you're a out West long range precision rifle expert who elk hunts, like how can that relate to what we're doing? Nothing could relate more. Cause I consider myself typical run of the mill Midwest deer hunter. And everything you just said is like kicking myself in the ass. Why don't I do this? Like, this is what everyone needs mm-hmm. to hear. And mm-hmm. 
my dad taught me to shoot, who's probably taught, you know, like everybody's dad, grandpa, whatever. And they don't know this stuff. Like it's simple stuff. It's, you know, makes sense. Mm-hmm. But when you're getting taught by someone, put it in the middle, get your crosshairs right in the middle, squeeze the trigger. And it's like, just the simple stuff is what I think people around here need to hear. I needed to hear that. I was always taught to, you know, um, gosh, I've actually used this example on dating. Oh boy. Bear <laughs> with dates? me guys. Just, okay. Okay. No, no. Oh, no wonder boy. you said you went through a lot of women. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Hear me out. Hear me out. So I was taught, you know, get, get into the position you're going to be in. This is like to get comfortable with the <laughs> dating and, also. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Okay. Yeah. Assuming the position. Downward but, dog. But to not, to not force the shot that it should be when everything's at its like natural resting place, it's at the bottom of your exhale. So it's at that moment, everything is settled into where it needs to be. And that's at that point you're squeezing that trigger where that shot, you can have some consistency and replicate where you're shooting for groupings, target practice. Between stuff. your heartbeats. I don't know. But I, I, th- I, I, you know, I used it for dating. Like, look lady, I'm not going to force this with you. Like clearly you're, you're trying too hard to be someone you're not. This isn't going to work. Like we are not at our natural resting place together. This is a, and then, and then you shoot her. Yeah. yeah, we're not going to talk Small about that. Caliber. Yeah. Small caliber. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're airsoft guns. It's okay. I'm like, lost. Yeah. yeah, I did get arrested for airsoft guns by the SWAT team oh, uh, in Lord. high school for senior skip day. They Ooh. thought we were trying to rob a bank. We were just trying to cash our check from Pizza Hut with guns. Well, what had happened oh, was Lord. my buddy leaned out of the the seat to grab the you know the canister from the tube, and as his you know ass cheek was exposed, my buddy went pop pop pop. <laughs> And then it was like a you know a Mexican standoff. Mm. Put yours down. Put yours down. Put yours down. Well, some lady saw this and said, "There's a truck with four dudes with guns at the bank." Yeah. So when we didn't know that that had happened. We got home. The SWAT team had known, and like oh we made the front page. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Had to pay a pretty hefty fine for that. Anyway, don't yeah airsoft guns look real, so it scares people. You gotta be careful. You would have made it on an episode of Dairyland Dumbasses if that would have been <laughs> a thing back then. No, I love I love the the dry fire practice. That's that's excellent. That's epic. Yep, One thing is. I've always wanted to do that I have not done yet, and you read about like the guys out east do this all the time, especially the guys who do deer tracking in Vermont, Maine. A lot of them have like rigged up deer targets mm-hmm. on on little zip line, little yep. pulley systems, huh. and to practice, you know, you're tracking a deer, you're almost always jumping it and then shooting at it, running away. Not an ideal position, but Never. like so different than Western hunting, but like, that's what these guys do. Right. Right. So not that I necessarily do that, but that seems like a great way to like learn how to calm your heart rate adrenaline situation and learn how to maybe even lead a little bit. Oh man. I just think it'd be super fun to grab a box of shells and freaking zip a a decoy through the woods and let them rip if you're in a safe spot, you know, Mm -hmm. a totally different style. You're practicing shooting out of the driver's side window also. <laughs> or the passenger side, if no one's in there. <laughs> yeah, only at the bank, of course. <laughs> oh man! Drive-through window. Oh. Stories for days. Guys. Leave it to you. I was a senior, you know. Like, come on, you know. We we're all proud of senior skip day, and what we did is go shoot airsoft guns at each other at the bank, and get arrested. Walk slower. Turn around. I am walking slow. Slower. I don't know what to do. Ay ay ay. Wow. Anywho, uh, yeah, I've derailed us a bit here, but we are getting close to the top of the hour. I do have the phone number on the screen if you want to call in, share a thought, ask a question. I think, Ryan, you're a wealth of knowledge here. If anyone has a question, the phone number's on the screen. It's 262-757-4122. You can always comment in your question also as we've had a couple come through. I think I'm going to ask that question about the gun that you may be not asking. Uh, three guns for the rest of your life. Which three are you picking? I'm guessing the six five Creedmoor is one of them. That's a good guess. I think he's thinking about it. He's You're asking me. Yeah, yeah. I'm asking you guys, guys. gotta say Ryan. You guys are talking to Sorry, each other. Ryan. <laughs> yeah, right. Sorry, Ryan. Well, one of them is definitely an AR-15, so I can go and take Kyle's three guns. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> and then I've got five good hunting guns left. Um, I'd probably be a Remington 870. It's a great all-purpose shotgun for me. I can do anything with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, six five Creedmoor. And we're not just talking calibers, I guess. I bolt actions for the other two guns. Bolt yeah, action six five okay. more for a super light gun. And then I love three hundred PRC as my kind of big boy cartridge. So a bolt action three hundred PRC is what I'd take. Those are what I take for hunting for anything anyway. So this year elk hunting, I want to take a custom awesome rig in three hundred PRC because I love it. I have my lightweight six five, you know, Creedmoor already. 
and that Remington 70, I think that'd solve anything in North America for me. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah. What are you bringing for sidearms, if ever? Like, uh, I know guys that do Alaska hunts that they're talking about sidearms and so forth. Do you have any recommendations for something like that? And I want to, so you know, not for Alaska, but I, so I always carry a sidearm or I always try to carry a sidearm. They just come in handy. Um, one, there's sometimes other idiots out there that you might want to have a firearm against or a mountain lion or who knows what else is out there that sidearm works for. Uh, I also undercaliber my sidearms. I carry a nine millimeter. I know that's way low caliber, but I'm, I'm on the school of thought that I'd rather have something with me that I can practice with all the time and high enough capacity that's easy to use. And they're really handy for, you know, a, a coup de gras finish off an animal shot sometimes when I'm standing five feet away. Um, a nine millimeter into the heart of even a big animal still can, you know, effectively put them down where I don't want to blow a bunch of meat away with a 300 PRC from three feet away. Yeah. Yeah. I watched a cop blast a, a buck in the chest with a shotgun because he didn't want to get his pistol up because he had just cleaned it. So he's like, yeah, ah, I just cleaned my pistol. I'll grab the shotgun. And then, I mean, the hole was huge. I was like, Jesus, man, that seemed like a little unnecessary. <laughs> People are driving by with their kids in their minivans. Like, what the hell are you doing? Uh, but yeah. I guess pistols are hard to clean, apparently. <laughs> I'm that guy. I don't know. I don't know. I it might have been safer call. to shoot the shotgun. Yeah. yeah I'd say around a populated area, shotgun's probably safer. Well, and I I had a 14-point buck, whitetail buck, get hit right a down 14 the 14-pointer? 14-pointer. I got it. I got video of it. All right. It was hit right down the street from my house. Jeez. And the cop pulled his, his uh, 40 cal pistol out, and he missed it the first time. I don't know where it went. Hopefully it went in the pallet, a pallet pile behind the deer. He shot it in the face. It shook its head like it just, like, you know, had a mosquito get in his ear. And, and I said, dude, what are you doing? Well, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to put this deer down. I said, have you ever shot a deer? Do you hunt? No, I'm like, dude, you'd be a lot cooler if you did. You want me to do that? I can't let you do that. I said, here, aim right at the base of the skull. If you're going to shoot him in the head, just shoot him here. So he did, and then he died. But the first shot hit him uh, right right next yeah, to the eyeball. Yeah, and Jeff actually did the skull for us. He, he boiled the skull. My, my buddy's got that. it. Yeah. yeah, but 40 cal went through and shattered it right below the eyeball, and it, it didn't That's even affect it. Jeez. And then the That's why I don't care about carrying a nine mil. I think all the arguments yeah. about calibers are kind of stupid after a while. Yeah, and, if you're at a certain range, you're going to kill it, and or you're not. You know, handgun right. calibers are generally weak. You can put a graph together of nine versus forty versus forty-five and see the difference in power. But the second you add any rifle cartridge to that same graph, the differences in the pistol cartridges become so small you can't see them. So minute. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. So, and I've also shot a deer in the head and realized I should never do that again. Also. I did, yeah. It was facing me. I went to put it down, and I shot it right between the eyes and shook it off. It was a little yep. low between the eyes. Just I had no idea how much of cavities and things were in there to not do it. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a great place to put an animal down. Mm-mm. Fascinating. Do you know this Brian Lefevre who's asking about your book? In the no, I don't, but he's, he's right. So these, these tips and like the advice I'm giving you guys are in my first book that's been out, and I've been promising the second book for years. And I distracted myself for a couple of years with uh, a software company I created to help with school shootings that I just sold last year. So I, that was a good distraction for two years because it was a good cause. And then I distract myself with all these other projects. I quite never get that second book out. And so it's hard for me to peek my head up anywhere in internet land without someone like Brian busting my chops about not having that second book. Ready. <laughs> Keeping you honest, Ryan. Yeah, I appreciate right. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is the first book called? Did you? I don't know if you had said it. I know you said you... That's the like first book is the Long Range Shooting Handbook. It's a orange book. You can find it on Amazon. It's it's like I said, it's it's been very nicely reviewed and purchased. Has something like seven thousand five star reviews because you guys are awesome and kind. And I write it in an everyday language, and I even put in there, hey, if you find a mistake in this book, or you don't like how I phrase something, email me about it, and I'll include I'll include your correction in the next version. And I think I've made three or four different edits because of that because of people so I, I like the whole idea of a community of shooters out there and i talk about things like the acceptable accuracy or how to set up a scope or these little tips and tricks and some anecdotes about why they worked for me and i think they make people better fundamental shooters you know i mean another can i give you guys another one another tip yeah, yeah. focus yeah. only on the reticle and stop looking at your target so the reason why it's it's easy for people to miss 
with these super high power magnification awesome scopes is because that really big magnified image that's super clear makes the animal look really pretty. <laughs> and you spend the time looking at that really pretty animal and have no idea where your reticle is actually at when the shot breaks. Um, and that's yeah. why guys will shoot animals in the antlers sometimes because they're staring at the pretty antlers mm-hmm. instead of focusing on the reticle like they should be. So yeah. I made a piece focus of on the reticle, acceptable accuracy, steady pressure on the trigger, be stable. You're going to hit everything just fine. It's funny you mentioned that. That's not just a reticle problem. That's a bow problem for people too. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the first big bucks I shot up north uh, brought it into my taxidermist. Didn't even notice it. He had a healed over wound through the ear mm-hmm. of a three blade broadhead. You could literally Whoa. see it. He goes, did you notice this? I said, no. He showed me it and you could see scar tissue of a three blade muzzy or whatever that it was. Right through the ear. Somebody was looking at the antlers. Exactly what Ryan said. You know, nope. you see a big rack and all of a sudden you your focus goes a little bit and boom, right through the freaking ear. <laughs> So I think shotgun's exactly opposite. So bird hunting with a shotgun, I'd rather take the beads off my shotgun. I think they're a crutch for people. I don't think that's how you properly shoot a shotgun on a flying target. I think you look at the target. And that's why I think some guys are better hunting. They'll go shoot clay targets and they can't hit a thing, but you take them out into the field and they they kill all the pheasant that are in the air because in that situation, they're looking at that big, pretty pheasant flapping through the air and therefore they hit it just fine. I'm glad you said that because... I've I've seen this pattern of people that tend to be you know better with a rifle, are terrible with uh you know clay pigeons and pheasants. They just can't do it. Me, that I'm was me. Like I can't. And and then they're like, no, you can't. You just got to watch the the target and move move mm-hmm. with the target. And that's hard to grasp. It's more of like an instinctive shot, right? Exactly right. It took me a while. It was me for sure. I got decently good with a shotgun. When I moved up to Connecticut for law school, because that's what they did up there, so I started it shooting trap and while, like, why, why can't I get good at this? Like, I get, I get, because I want to be good at stuff. Like, yeah, you know. Well, I was, I was, like, I was okay, good, you know. So I'd shoot around. A lot of the guys up there shot trap at the local clubs, so all the old men would get out there Saturday mornings and all shoot trap together. And I would get, so I could break twenty-two or twenty-three out of the twenty-five pretty darn consistently. But it was very rare I could get all twenty-five, and I wasn't really that great at it. And when I went to go shoot sporting clays, I missed everything because I didn't have the leads memorized like I did with trap. And I would take a rifle shot three feet in front of the bird. So I'd see the bird flying through the air. I'd imagine three feet in front of it. And I would shoot a pinpoint precision rifle shot three feet in front of that bird. And I taught myself the wrong way. And it wasn't until I met someone who just flipped my world upside down on how to shoot with shotguns, which is exactly stop even looking at the bead, take the bead off. Don't do one of those fancy fiber optic sights. That's actually worse. Mm -hmm. Just look only at the target and instinctively swing and point. And the analogy I give is if one of you guys were walking across my living room in a diagonal, holding your hand up saying, toss me your keys. I wouldn't do the math on how many feet I needed to lead you with the keys. Mm -hmm. I would look at you and I would toss the keys and know where to do it. Same thing when it comes to shooting a shotgun. And if you do that, it ends up working. So yeah, there's two completely different styles of shooting for sure. But when it comes to a rifle, you know, focus on what you can control. You can't control the animal, which is why you, when you mentioned earlier about the breathing, by the way, and shooting groups and, saying things like that. That's fine for shooting groups. I'm actually against that when it comes to shooting in the real world. I don't believe in shoot when you have a full lungs or half full lungs or all the way exhaled or shoot when you do this. Because in the real world, whether it's the military snipers I used to train for years or hunters or things like that, what decides when it's time to shoot is the target. The bad guy decides when it's time to get shot when they step out from behind cover. The deer decides when it's time to get shot when they present you with a nice shot before they run off, right? So the target is what decides when it's time to shoot, not you. So if you practice, in my opinion, having to be perfectly in the right position and perfectly with the breath the way it needs to be and all that, I think you're setting yourself up for failure in the real world. Um, Instead, just be good enough, focus on what you can control like the reticle and let everything else be the way it's going to be. Good. Good Damn. show, Brian. Well said. Sir. How many podcasts have you been on? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you decide to be on our podcast? This is great. Because I love following you guys. I give you guys this recommendation all the time. I love you guys on Instagram. I mean, when you guys first started, I think I reached out within the first month or two of you guys starting your account and just saying what you guys are doing the great. This is awesome. I, I love it. And I love the theory too. I love, I'm not a trophy hunter. I'm just as happy to go get a cow elk as I'm getting a bull elk. Hell yeah. And I would be too. I want that meat really bad. Mm-hmm. Like I want elk meat. 
and my wife wants elk meat. And the experience, right? The experience is the hunt. It's a 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 hunt. It's Gun University is what we wanted to, you know, take the opportunity to get on the stage here. Uh, I appreciate website. it. Yeah. That is, uh, is it just gununiversity.com? Yeah, it's gununiversity.com. Um, and go check out some of the lists we do for like best of anything we do. Like um, for practice, also for your rifle, if you don't want to shoot that 30 out six, go get a 22, for example, and spend time shooting your 22 because match grade, really nice ammo for a 22 is really cheap. And you can get good at all your positional shooting and all of your trigger control and all of using your scope at 20 yards and not spend a whole lot of money and not induce a flinch. It's really close to dry practicing, but you still get some bullet feedback and it's a heck of a lot of fun to do it. And I bring that up with Gun University because, for example, um, we do a best 22s where I went through and I listed my best 22 for hunting, my best 22 for target, my stuff like that. And if you guys are up for it, I'd appreciate it. Just put a link in there in the notes for people to see it. You can go read through why I recommend different 22s for different purposes. And you're getting the un from me on what I like and what I don't. And you can tell me if I'm right or wrong and, and join in the comments there. Yeah, send us that link because we, we produce the same night. So post this call, like get that over to us pronto as well as an image, I suppose. Uh, or, or we'll just find one. Uh, we usually just do that. But uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and live broadcast. Uh, you know, the folks that commented through, thank you. Linus over from England. Great, great uh, questions there. Um, you know, Ryan, if you get an opportunity to go back into the chat, maybe you'll have more time to consider what he was asking and refine that, you know, it's live on YouTube and, uh, some comments came through on Facebook and so forth, but, uh, thanks everybody. I think this I figured out what he's saying there at the end, but it sounds like we're wrapping it up. Yeah. We're bringing the plane in for the landing here. Right. Uh, got to put the kids to bed. These guys got to drive home like what an hour and 30 minutes, whatever it is. So, um, yeah, thanks for tuning in everybody. I'm going to end the live broadcast. Ryan, we'll hang out for just a second debrief and everybody have a great night.